From the crossroads of America in central Indiana, this is Get In, the show focused on the unfolding startup stories and most extraordinary innovations happening in the heartland today. You might notice we're in a little bit different location today. We have upped our production quality and that is thanks to Glassboard. Glassboard is a product development and innovation company based in Indianapolis. Uh, You've got the Glassboard mugs here, we're all sporting and uh, we're really grateful for them uh, sharing the studio with us. Um, And today on the show is Darian Michael, co-founder and CEO of Qualify. I was like, by March, we'll um, we'll have funding. I know investors will have funding. Uh, We'll have a bunch of customers. We'll be good. Don't worry. And uh, March came away and it was like six months of, you know, no money coming in the door. Darian Michael is the co-founder and CEO of Qualify, a software platform that powers the fastest phone interview experience in the world and helps recruiting teams hire great candidates faster than ever before. Darian graduated from Indiana Wesleyan University in 2013 with a bachelor's degree in entrepreneurship and finance. And he is also a two-sport athlete in both basketball and track and field and was a national champion in the long jump. He has been building Qualify since 2019 and was a participant in Techstars Anywhere Accelerator in 2021. Today, we're going to talk about why Darian went all in on Qualify, the impact of accelerator programs like Techstars, building a great place to work, and so much more. Please help me welcome to the show, Darian Michael. Darian, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thanks for that intro. Thanks for having me as well. Yeah, for sure, man. And you make the intro easy because uh, (laughs) you've done some pretty awesome stuff. I I can only long jump like three feet. (laughs) (laughs) I think we might need to see that later and get that on camera. I love it. We need to make sure to always include that on my intros because my brother is actually a better long jumper than me. Oh, nice. I get to like lay claim to some certain trophies that (laughs) he doesn't have. (laughs) (laughs) That's great, man. Well, can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, um, sports, athletics, growing up, what, what role did that have in your life? And yeah, it was everything. That was my first, lo- my first love is basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up idolizing Michael Jordan and then Allen Iverson is my favorite player growing up. And I think I've been dribbling a ball since like three or four and just fell in love with the early. So my earliest ambitions were to be an NBA player, be the best that ever was. And, um, I was able to make it pretty far in that, you know, dream and, uh, get to the next levels. And, Ultimately, those ambitions switch to, you know, the business world and entrepreneurship, but um, it's it's still a love. I, I still try to play a couple times a week um, if I can. My body's getting older, but <laughs> I still I still think I have a little bit in me. Yeah. Are there anything anything that you learned playing basketball team sports that you bring to the team now with qualify? Yeah, I probably use <laughs> it's like it's so ingrained into my life. It's like all the analogies and things that I learned from sports and my coaches over the years makes it into, you know, daily talk track, like with my wife at home. And then like in uh, how I lead the team, I, I still think, um, especially the like my time at Indiana Wesleyan, I always talk about my head coach and my assistant coaches, like two of the best leaders that I've ever had the privilege of, you know, being around in uh, a lot of their methodologies and the things that they brought, like are almost like a direct, representation in qualify in terms of like our values how i try to lead the team and things of that uh, sorry things of that nature so um yeah the sports themselves like the hard work the the drive like the determination but then also just leadership skills and you know how i approach that uh definitely very relevant there's stories of people out there that that use sports right in adult lives to see how people actually react on the playing field, right? Whether it's golf or basketball. Yeah. And, and because of that person's disrespectful, you know, or cheats in golf or whatever, then they might yeah. not want to be a person that you want to be involved yeah. with in business. Or is there anything that pops out of some like that you, we won't, we'll go to the positive side of it. Like yeah. that throughout all of those, playing all of those sports that you remain in contact today with still in your professional life, that was a result of how they acted and competed on the playing field. That's a good question. Well, one, like when you were saying that, I, I just saw like a YouTube clip of that exact thing where someone was like uh, talking about, you know, being on the golf course and witnessing someone like cheat and their their wife told them like, hey, this person did that. You shouldn't go into business with them and like later found right. out that like they cheat at a different level, right. you know, in the business field. But I'm trying to think of like, um, you know, trying to think of, you know, to answer your question, a lot of my team, I mean, teammates, like the people that, you know, especially when I got to Indiana Wesleyan, there was a few of us that 
basically room together all four years and we've gone into different industries, different lines of work, but that common bond of what we value, what we went through, I think that's a big part of, you know, what I wish in some ways I could recreate. I talk about it all the time at, you know, in a, in a, you know, a company setting is going through like physical trials together and, yeah, and yes. putting people through like hard work has a way of bonding people. Totally. And, uh, you know, right now actually we're in, I've, I've challenged the team to, uh, you know, this like 40 day challenge uh, internally of, you know, defining like what is a, you know, we're as a company growing and figuring out how to overcome some certain challenges that we have on the business level. But at the same time, I want to kind of each person challenge themselves. And what is that one thing that, you know, you should be doing, haven't got around to doing yet. Let's, let's identify it and like go after it and, and be consistent about it. So yeah. I know that didn't directly answer your question, but no, that's uh, great. No, I love that. I'm just thinking through like the sports to business analogy, it's like taking people out and doing that. Like there's no better way to judge someone's character than when you're like getting smoked in something. Yeah. Like you're down 40 <laughs> points right. in a basketball game and you're like how you're acting and like trying to stay positive. It's like so especially to the startup life, like very, very related there where it's like, sometimes things are going to get tough and are you going to be the person that pouts and complains about it? Or are you going to like suck it up and try to right. like drain three or 10 threes in a row and come back? Right. Yeah. And even if you don't lose, or even if you, you know, ultimately lose in that moment, it's like how you respond. Like what's yeah. your, what's your response to that? Like, do you quit? Do you become selfish or do you focus on the team and, and yep. try to move forward and, and improve? So, yeah. It's kind of like um, life and business is in in my worldview is very much about shared experiences, mm -hmm. and what you just said is kind of how do you synthesize those experiences? Yeah, it's like, and it's partially because like I come from my whole life just being like basically like physically punishing myself or having coaches like physically <laughs> punishing. Obviously, you can't necessarily do that in like a you know a corporate environment, but I think there is ways to. Um, on through those shared experiences like um naturally companies face different trials and you how you respond as an individual and as a team kind of can be defining for the trajectory moving forward yes so you say that sports right always part of your life was entrepreneurship always part of your life i don't know if it was like i think the the way i tell my story around entrepreneurship is that i always i didn't always know what exactly it was i think it was innately within me and this is going to sound super arrogant. Like uh, I was listening to a podcast with there's, if you're familiar with, I hope everyone's familiar with Jay-Z. He had a running mate uh, named Dame Dash in the early days that like kind of co-founded, you know, a lot of uh, Rockefeller and everything that that kind of became. And he was like one of the key drivers of everything that they were doing. Um, they since split, but anyway, I listened to a podcast with Dame Dash and, uh, he was saying that he didn't know what he wanted to do. He just knew he was going to be great. And that's kind of like what I think of in myself. Like I said, I, I don't want that to sound arrogant. It doesn't so, sound like, arrogant at all. Yeah. Like when I wanted to be a basketball player, I didn't just want to like excel. I wanted to be the best of all time. Like whatever I was going to do, I wanted like my mindset is always to try to be the best and achieve at a high level. And um, one of the things that I got that I know I'm privileged is seeing success around me. Mm -hmm. I had, family members and like close family friends that were VPs, CEOs. My dad like is, you know, started from uh, literally nothing. He's like from the ninth ward in New Orleans and grew up in poverty to, wow. you know, a very successful business person. I got to see him achieve and, and then like his network of people that I call my aunt uncles, you know, them achieve my brother, my older brother played in the NFL. So like I got to see, you know, people, achieve their dreams, make it to these, these heights that are usually untouched. And so, yeah, you know, me and my brother and um, my cousins, like it's always, we always kind of have this mentality of it's, it's not like if it's a matter of like when mm -hmm. and just approaching life that way. So is there a favorite lesson or quote that you heard from your dad or your brother growing up that still rings true in your head as a CEO now? Yeah. But I think maybe the biggest thing. So like I've always considered my dad, like my biggest, um, you know, idol, like person that, uh, like influenced me the most. And I think what he instilled in me is not necessarily like one quote I could give you, but just like a sense of confidence and pride in the sense of like taking ownership of what I'm doing. You mm -hmm. know, like 
I think my natural tendency is to like play the background and um, to be very passive with, with a lot of things. And uh, like sports was like where that showed up in my early days is just like I like to, you know, pass the ball and he'd be like, hey, like you have a lot of skills that you bring to the table and you're you're not helping anybody by diminishing those and not letting your light shine. And so um, just instilling that like that mm. confidence of taking pride in like what you do and wanting to be the best um, at what you do. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, you mentioned kind of getting into entrepreneurship uh, when you're in college. What are, what are some of those early entrepreneurial memories? <laughs> yeah, tough. you said you have more failures. It would be fun to like dig into <laughs> to that. We like, could talk <laughs> for like days about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think so. I guess to, to go back into like early days of like why I kind of became an entrepreneur and like where it started to show up for me and even in like childhood is I was always very creative and inventive or wanted to be inventive. Like I saw all those commercials for, you know, you know, pay us and we'll help you get your patent on your invention. I was like, yeah. I like sledgehammer stone wheel. Yes. I love yeah. this. Buy now. Yeah. <laughs> Three easy payments. Yes, that, that yeah. was, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. Those, those the caveman types. that's like chiseling the yeah. wheel. Exactly. Yeah. So I remember all those and those like spoke to me, but no, I mean, but even before then I was like, always just like trying to draw up random like harebrained ideas. And uh, so I think that's like one example I had, like, I wish, I don't know if they're still around. Like I'm, I'm hoping they're somewhere in like some storage unit that my parents have. Um, but yeah, just the dumbest drawings of like random companies. Give, give us an example. The Is one, there the one, one you remember? That, there's only one that I really remember. I think I was just like outside on our, like, you know, buy a grill. And I was like, Ooh, I'm, like, I don't know what the concept was, but it was like a grill that was like, could like rotate and do something <laughs> specific. I can't remember, but it was like, I just remember drawing a grill and explaining to my dad how this thing could like, rotate on a hinge and do something fancy yet but obviously it wasn't very cool I, I, I do have somewhere i don't know what the invention was but my mom gave me like within the last couple of years she was like hey this you had this piece of mail where you like you know you wrote up the idea and like you remember like be like the unofficial patent is like you you know write up an idea send it to yourself in the mail and it's like kind of time stamp so i yeah, have yeah. that and i opened it and it was Something stupid, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, but, I love it. Um, and then, like, I think, but in more practice, uh, that came uh, more so in, like, in early college days. So uh, just always trying to figure out hustles and ways to make money. What, uh, was, what was the first hustle? What did you make your first dollar on selling or flipping or whatever? Well, I think the, the truth, I don't actually remember this, but my friend, my best friend from growing up told me that we – charge people to uh, get on the swings. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't yes. I don't know if that's like bully. That's is that entrepreneurial or bully? <laughs> right. I love it. That's like I said, I don't remember if it's exactly true, so I'm taking a disclaimer on that. But, um, yeah, these are our swings. <laughs> but in, in college, I think the, the first thing that I got into was uh, flipping uh, basically pretty cheap watches on eBay. Um, the way I was... I was like pretty into watches at the time. I still am. I, I just wear an Apple watch now. I think at some point in the future, when you know, when I've made it, I could invest in some nice watches. Get back watches. in the watches. Yeah. yeah. But I, I got really into them and I would buy them, wear them for like a week and then like sell them back. Uh, and Tell me they were G-Shacks. I'm sure some of them were. Oh. Um, I can't remember any of the, any of the brands, but they were just like usually like kind of gaudy, like, big yeah you know, like yellow you know watch band and like big faces and stuff like that and just it was my early early college days when i was discovering who i was like yeah. what my style was and stuff like that so that was my first kind of foray into entrepreneurship but it actually led into some it led into a lot of what i do like yeah. what i ended up doing um but tell, tell us about how you got into viral launch yeah it was basically kind of that pathway so like i started in uh like my early entrepreneurial days were basically all e-commerce plays, like started flipping watches, flipping other things. Um, and then what else? How'd you find out how to do that? Like, where did you start at the beginning of like, you know, I want to start selling stuff on eBay. I actually don't know. I think maybe it was by way of just trying to like make use of things that I had. So like, I think I had an eBay account in high school that I just sold things that I owned to, to make, you know, just to get the value of those. And then I actually had a pretty good, I was like, 
I got like a perfect eBay score and like yeah. I could actually do something with this. I think I still do. I don't it's know. It's a good asset. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I had it for a while. Um, so I think I just like learned from that way. I do remember probably it was like after college where I started to like actually learn about entrepreneurship. But mm. yeah, I think it was just by way of just trying to figure out how to hustle and, and, and make I didn't make really honestly that much money doing it, but it was like good reps and good practice into yeah. that. And then me and a, a friend of mine in college, we, we started uh, a t-shirt business. Again, didn't really make a ton of money. We had like a really cool thought process. I think our struggle was like actually marketing beyond like our initial launch. Like we had a great first day. We, we uh, Indiana Wesley has like a really cool like mall way. We had like, you know, a storefront basically set up for this launch day. And they graphic tees? Yeah, they were graphic tees okay. we, we worked with uh designers at the school to like you know uh make the graphics and um there was a team on iu campus that did that dope uh if you remember okay. the brand dope they, they started out of uh indiana university yeah there's actually a couple we had like there's it wasn't really a, like a competing but it was uh, there's two different um t-shirt companies on campus the other one actually it was was a bit more successful than ours <laughs> but um yeah that was like one thing and then that led to uh, actually, I guess that kind of gave me the practice, I guess, flash forward a little bit. You mentioned viral launch. Um, this is probably, and I owe a lot to, um, the CEO or former CEO of viral launch is a guy named Casey. He and I went to school together. Um, we both ran on the same track team there. He's a crazy pole vaulter. And, uh, he started, uh, working on, we started working on a separate project together that he, he initially was, you know, working on himself. I think I had, already graduated at this point and was in a full-time just like finance accounting position at a relatively large company. And my mind was just like, I was always itching to just do my own thing. Yeah. Um, but he was working on this project that was using iBeacon technology. Uh, it's like a Bluetooth devices that pair like with apps. And so the idea for us was a museum app where you could walk up to exhibits. And if you have this app, it would do some like interactive things with you. Mm. Uh, we learned that selling to museums is, <laughs> terrible <laughs> not, not terrible market <laughs> um, so we we are all these early learning lessons but he got my brain into like technology and then um just like starting you know cool projects uh and then when that wasn't working he started working on viral launch which actually started taking off we were bootstrapped for the first few years but he had an original co-founder that wasn't really contributing at the time and he needed help to get off the ground. Things were rolling like customers, revenue coming in. Can you tell us what the business was? Yeah. So viral launch in the first iteration of it was, if you're familiar with, I mean, I know you are with SEO. Um, <laughs> it, it was basically SEO for Amazon. The difference with Amazon, at least at the time, I'm not as like close to it anymore, but um, our SEO for Amazon is primarily based off of sales so we had a platform that on the seller side that like hey if you want to you know rank really high for a product like a coffee mug like coffee mugs is probably a keyword search term that you want to be ranking on page one for because most people uh don't go past you know the first couple pages when they're purchasing a product on amazon so being on page one was everything and we helped people get to page one because we had a buyer audience where you could run promotional campaigns towards and effectively guaranteeing sales because they're highly discounted um and so it was kind of like this uh, hindsight is like kind of like a hack to get ranking yeah um, but we figured out how to do it in you know the most legitimate ways and uh made people tons of money because we got them that ranking and you know you could sell be selling any sorts of widgets and making hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. I remember going into that office when you were in your heyday. I think you came up on a hoverboard from across the <laughs> office. I was like, what is going, what is this office? Like, everyone, that was, yeah, like everyone I, was riding high. Yeah, no, it was, we were, it was a fun time. So like a little context. So Casey's two years older than me. I think by the time I left, I was like 27 mm -hmm. um, and he was 25 at the time. And I think we, we had a really amazing run and viral launch is still around. I, mean, I haven't been as close to the company as of late to, to know, you know what the latest is, but, um, yeah, we were growing really fast. Again, we were mostly bootstrapped until my last, you know, towards the end of my time there, I was there for three years and, uh, we went from, and this kind of leads into like what I do now, but like we went from, 
uh, he and I to over 70 people on the team in, in those three years. And uh, it was really fun because we got to, like, call all the shots and, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. do what we thought was best. And um, What was the biggest lesson you learned in that whole experience? Uh, there's so many. Um, I think for that context, it, I think some of the things that we probably should have done that we didn't do was trust – trust our knowledge a little bit more. I think one of the things, because we were so young, uh, indexed on bringing in like advisors and investors and like, you know, gray hairs that, that have been there and done that. And their track record did speak for itself. Like they really had done those things, yeah. but also they didn't know our customers. They didn't know our market as well as honestly Casey did. Um, and so I think that created uh, some situations where we did things that weren't like, in my opinion, like normal to us, like it wasn't part of like how we had operated before. And I think that led to some like, uh, misfires yeah. and things. Of that it's nature. so, it's so critical, right? You see it all the time where investors invest in a company and, and by the sheer fact that they wrote a check, well, they're yeah. on the board. Yeah. And it just never made sense to me. Yeah. No, right. It's, it's, I mean, the reason they invested is, is in you and the idea and the culture and your traction and, and your understanding of a different dynamic. Right. Right. And then they come in with a knowledge set from 10 years ago, especially in a business like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's changing. Emerging so, market. Right. Yeah. Emerging yeah. market. It's changing so fast year over year. Yeah. And it, it can really take you down a, a road that's not the right road. Yeah. No, it's it interesting. And there's, there's just some things that like we honestly, hindsight now, like we, had like some fortunes of like we didn't have a sales team we were just growing like yeah. basically organically and like marketing supported and i think that was fortunate but then now in my position i was like oh it would be great to like have like a real sales force that we were like you know building larger uh stickier relationships with customers and mm -hmm. things of that nature and so um yeah there's there's <laughs> there's tons of learning lessons yeah. that haven't like fully unpacked but i think that's the biggest one probably before we pop forward to the next one can we back up real quick yeah and um so you graduated from indiana westland mm -hmm. and you ultimately went to viral launch so what was that time frame what was that gap in so time? yeah I, went, I graduated in like 2013 the first two years out of school i was at a company called moorhead communications it's actually now like the parent company is called round room um, but they are the largest Verizon wireless retailer in the country, but they were headquartered in Marion, which is where Indiana Wesleyan is. And then their headquarters moved to Carmel, um, which is why I moved to the north side of Indy. Um, and it was a really, like, it's a large company, but a small um, corporate office, I think at the time, like 200-ish people. And it's like, I think the CEO's like saying is like, he wants to be like the biggest small company the smallest big company i forget how he says it but like have that small company feel but be you know have a huge emperor they have like you know thousands of stores nationwide and wow. so i got to see i was like you know the lowest in the total i was a financial analyst there um but got to see like you know or i had a great boss great environment so i got to see some like uh early things of how to do you know how to put structure into a business that um actually brought to viral launch in some ways and so i had a little bit of practice even though i was pretty young yeah um so yeah how did um how did your time come to an end at viral launch yeah um it was like a really really tough um situation because like I, I had this um so i was the vice president there i had this like a ton of uh i guess emotional ownership and sure. um at the same time we were growing really rapidly our team, as I mentioned, was adding leadership. And effectively, <laughs> the last year, I kind of felt like the writing was on the wall because we, we brought in, you know, a president slash COO and a CFO, which I was the VP, but my main uh, responsibility was over internal operations and finance. So I was like, oh, <laughs> the, the, what's, you know, what's the pathway for me here? Um, but it was in January of 2019, there's like, there's more than that going on, but ultimately what happened is I got laid off. I got called into the office. I forget which day it was, but I know it was in January. Um, and they let me know that I was going to be laid off along with a few other folks, uh, on the team the next day. Um, the company was coming up against some challenges. And so, um, they had to, had to do that. And so that's uh, tough. Yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. Cause it was obviously very tough. I had like uh my family was growing at the same time too. Yeah. Um 
but it was like weirdly i felt a sense of relief in some mm. ways too because like why do you think that is yeah because i had that like i had never really experienced like anxiety before yeah <laughs> like that whole you know six months to a year before i was just like always felt like that call was going to happen or yeah. something like that was going to happen and then it happened and it actually um like i said it was relieving and it honestly repaired some things between you know not that there was like any like uh like uh hostileness between casey and i but um there was like part of that anxiety was like oh like it's a pressure we, we, cooker yeah like we've kind of you know built this together like what's what's going on and like in that moment we actually got to like have a conversation and you know be really be really real with each other and yeah. like it opened up the door to like now our relationship and uh we still you know are able to connect and like get coffee and catch up and like try to help each other out and so um it's a it was truly like a blessing in disguise in the way it happened but still tough nonetheless yeah a uh, quick break from our normal programming. I have Erica Schweier, COO from Elevate Ventures, here in the studio today. Erica, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you're going to tell us a little bit about this Rally Innovation Conference that's coming up. Yep. So it's the largest cross-sector innovation conference in the world. Um, we're going to feature six innovation studios. So think hard tech, software, sports tech, ag and food, healthcare, and entrepreneurship is going to kind of be our catch-all. I love that. So tell me, what is... Who's it for? Yeah, it's for innovators, entrepreneurs, investors. Honestly, anybody probably listening to this podcast. It's going to be a multi-day thing that's multi-day. happening in downtown Indianapolis. Yep. People coming in from all over the country, maybe even all over the world to be here. That's our hope. Yep. And the dates are actually August 29th to the 31st. Perfect. And if people want to find out more information about speakers, tickets, things like that, where can they go? Yeah. So they just go to rallyinnovation.com and sign up for communications. They can also get their tickets. I love it. You heard it here at rallyinnovation.com. We'll, we'll see, see you, you there. there. You mentioned the anxiety of that. Um, if there's anything more anxiety-inducing than being a leader at a tech company, it's being the CEO at a tech company. Yeah. What are some of the things that you learned through that experience <laughs> and have now applied to, at Qualify as yeah. you've scaled that company? Yeah, one, I mean, that anxiety or that struggle time period led into, like, another, like there's, there's been plenty of, like, highs and lows with Qualify. Um, so... For context, I left Viral Launch at the same time. Qualify was like a side project that you know me and my co-founders now have been had been working on. Yeah. Just like we each had full time gigs, and so it was just like a side you know side project. Um, Can you tell us how you had the idea? Yeah, it was like during that wave of growth. Like I like I said, I was over the internal operations, so part of that was the recruitment and the HR function, and so I was very busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like constantly you know recruiting and screening candidates, and um, just saw how difficult the hiring process is altogether, but uh, recognized how repetitive phone interviews can be. I was trying to be really structured and ask the same questions and give a consistent feel. And I was like, it'd be great if I could just like record these questions, send it off to the candidates, let them, you know, record their responses. And then uh, we could, you know, streamline that process, create a better experience overall. And so that was the original, you know, genesis of the, of the idea. And uh, like I said, it just started off as you know, something that we were working on to like um, do in our off periods, like late at nights, like for a while, the the team meeting that we now have at like noon on Mondays was like eight or 9 p.m. Uh, in the evening on a Monday or Tuesday when it was just like the four co-founders when we were all doing our own things. So yeah. you went straight into Qualify? There was any gap? There, was, there was not really. So like <laughs> I told my wife that we would, we'd be good. Like, I got a little bit of severance, so we'll have like a couple months, and then after that, got two decided, months to make it happen. Yeah, baby. two months to make it happen. I told her like it was January. I was like by March, uh, which by the way we also just came up on our four year anniversary. So, um, but I was like by March we'll um, we'll have funding. I know investors will have funding. Uh, we'll have a bunch of customers. We'll be good. Don't worry. And uh, March came away, and then it was like six months of you know no money coming in the door. You know, and so. Yeah, I did go straight in <laughs> and I told, like, I made, I filled out, I made a resume, but I never sent it anywhere. Hindsight, there's a lot of like now advice that I would give to people which are like, uh, think and be calculated about like the leaps you take. I'm always a person that has taken ginormous risks, obviously. Burn the uh, ships. Yeah. I mean, yeah that is, <laughs> that is like sheer exhilaration, right? You're yeah. like, you know what? I'm going for it now. Yeah. I'm going to pounce on the moment. Yeah. Cause like, I felt like. If I didn't, then I would just go back to a job and then it would just be a side project. I would right. never go anywhere. Um, 
And it's like weird because like hindsight, I would like never do it in that way again, but also know that we wouldn't be where we're at if, you know, we didn't take that leap. And, um, you know, if I didn't take those risks, you know, a lot wouldn't happen, you know, wouldn't have been able to happen if I wasn't full time invested in it. And so, um, how'd you bridge the gap or you, you got get a <laughs> early family that you're developing and yeah. lost your income source, trying to build a new one. Yeah. Not in the smartest ways, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> not, in the, not in the smartest ways. So like, my yeah. credit score is, uh, 520, but yeah, it was exactly, it was exactly that. Like, uh, like I said, had a little, like a tiny bit of runway. It was, it was, very unfortunate time because like with some of my other ventures before it was uh, I didn't mention like kind of part of the reason Casey wanted to bring me on is because I had familiarity with Amazon sure because uh, I had been like selling stuff on Amazon too and the nature of e-com is like you're fronting a lot of money on, on inventory to get costs down and so and then I kind of just my my problem was like I would la- I'm good at la- I was good at launching things and not like you know, operating them like consistently and like making sure the marketing and the campaigns are always there. But, um, so I had like a lot of money that was invested that kind of just basically became debt and we were already like pretty close to paying that off and then like got laid off. And then it led into basically me running my life off of credit cards for, you know, I guess four to six ish months, you know, as we were trying to figure things out. And, uh, who, who was the first person? How'd you find the first person that, uh, well, well, both sides, the first person that joined you, right, to go mm-hmm. take on this new company, and who's the first person that believed in you, believed in the idea, right, to give you initial funding? Like, how'd you get the, the initial team, one or two, three people, and the initial dollars to like actually get it rolling? Yeah, how they come together. So, first is my brother. So, my brother is uh, my equal co-founder. We have there's three total co-founders, but Devin and I, my brother, were first in, um, and that like that in and of itself is a big reason why probably we're both still doing this yeah. is because we, uh, I always tell people it'd be very hard. I, I always feel either sympathy or empathy for like solo founders because it's like they have to ride those roller coasters by themselves. And yeah. like Devin and I have always, it seems to work out where his highest day is like where I feel like really low and like vice versa. And we're able to like bring each other back up. And so that keeps us going, keeps us motivated. We can like remind each other of like, all right, yes, we just lost that customer or that big deal, but like, hey, check this out. Like we have all this stuff in the pipeline or we have all these things going for us. Like it'll be good. And we can kind of remind each other of those things. That'll be um, a good co-founder one-on-one. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. it's, 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 there's so many, like we have a, I mean, larger than most co-founder teams. Like usually it's like two or three, we have four people. Um, and there's, I find a ton of benefits in that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, is there a tough dynamic for leadership, like making decisions or anything like that between like specifically Devin and I, my brother, like basically have four co-founders of like vision to take the product, how decisions get made. Like, I think like more cooks in the kitchen a little bit there. Yeah. No, I think we actually work really well together. Um, and I think it was because of a little bit of like separation of duties early on. Like, I think we naturally fall into a few different, uh, I guess, camps or departments. And so that's one of the actual benefits is like part of my leadership style is like, I want people that know what they're doing. And then I just trust you to do that. And I provide, the team will probably tell you I provide a decent, like a, a good amount of input and like opinion, but I never try to like hold strong to that opinion. And my mentality is like being able to trust people. And so I know I don't know like, product and engineering like and Devin's technical right Devin's not so like Devin is he actually designed our first like the, the like he was our product designer for a while that's what I thought yeah, yeah he he he's self-taught on a lot of things but he he's our like go-to-market guy so okay. he oversees the go-to-market team okay and for a while like in the early days he was designing the product that's too. what I remember <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so he's like first man in on sales first man in on marketing and all those sorts of things just like helping us grow the business he's you know he's closed most of all of our biggest deals. And so, and then my specialty is like on the internal op side, but I'm, I like to think I'm pretty flexible to jump into a lot of areas, except the non-technical part where I would just like say, Hey, we need to do this. I, are we like, here's an idea. Like, here's like a, you know, product concept that I think could be cool. I'm very much an ideas person. Um, so that's my, my input in my lane and just helping to prioritize, but they're the ones that like actually 
know how to execute that. And so, yeah. If there's anyone listening to this podcast that has multiple founders, just, just on that, on that item, um, there's really, there's great ways to deal with this right up front, right? When you're starting a business and you have multiple co-founders, everybody's excited, right? And, And wants it to move forward. And that is the perfect time to bake into like your operating agreements, how that decision making mm-hmm. works. It's, yep. it's really super easy yep. to do. Like uh, XYZ has final decision on product engineering and, you know, yeah. you have final decision making on X, Y, and Z. And it's just like, it's really, there are really simple ways to bake into the operating agreement, that decision making at a super high level. And then also having all of the co-founders uh, vest. It's yeah. so like everybody has their ownership on day one, but if you leave inside of four years, here's this waterfall yeah. and you're going to lose. And, and so there's no discussion, right? Yep. If yeah, somebody yeah. flies a coop, yep. Then they yeah. only get whatever, it, whatever was agreed to. And it's yeah. super simple. And that was like something I learned too, like, um, and what I brought in, like from day one, I was, it was quote unquote, it was my idea. Right. But I, like when it came to talking through that with Devin, I'm like, Hey, we're going 50, 50, like, I, like he would probably have deferred more to me. But yeah. I was like, no, like let's, I don't want this, especially with family. Like, sure. I, was like, I don't want this to like create any issues yeah. early. And then as we like grew the team and like grew the founders, it was like, Hey, we're splitting, you know, from our equity equally to our founders and then establishing that early, like you said. And I think one of the good things is like, we we're good at like deferring to like who the, you know, expert in the room is for certain things. And then, I, you know, I hopefully am doing a good job of like knowing and sharing that, hey, at the end of the day, the buck stops with me. Like that, that means I will have like, in some cases like override and they acknowledge that, but then I also take ownership of that. Hey, if it doesn't work, if it fails, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm taking the ownership of that. And so yeah. I don't think it's like a give and take there. And, and so talk to me about the financial side of things. Who, who finally came in and Provided yeah, a, a yeah. little bit of relief for your credit card. Yeah. Not like the first, like, and this isn't like on, this isn't like an official, well, it's somewhat official docs, like, but it's more so like family. Like my parents like actually uh, were truly like the first believers. That's like, awesome. Um, and they gave us uh, a couple thousand because we originally were like, hey, we're going to go find this person on Upwork to like build this MVP. Yeah. Um, I think we ended up using it for separate, a different purpose, but it did provide like a, you know, a month or two of like relief in that regard. Yeah. Um, and then we went through, I think our first investors came by way of, uh, our, our pathway through like generator. So we went through, um, G beta, which is a pre accelerator. It's free. Um, but we got to meet a lot of, uh, people and investors. And I think our first, um, I, 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 don't want to misquote, but I believe our first uh, checks came from um, a guy named Roger Lee. He's a local. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So Roger's got, great. Yeah. Roger's awesome. Um, and uh, he brought his friend in Jason. And so that was like our first, I want to say like around 20, 25 K. Yeah. And then for a while we were just living check to check as a business. Like at first it was just me full time. And then uh, the next big believer that moved a big needle for us was uh, one of my favorite investors. His name's uh, Jason Riley. Um, he is in the industry, so he's in um, in HR at a very high level. He's uh, most recently he just switched, but he was most recently um, head of ta- global talent strategy for GE Healthcare. Yeah. And so he put in a, a, a check with us that allowed Devin to come on full time. And so we slowly started to get things rolling. And then for a while, it was like I think it was like effectively two years of fundraising to like, you know, live check to check and like actually build a real round, which came about in, uh, early 2021 where we put together a convertible note, which Elevate was a part of, and at the same time got accepted into Techstars. Um, let's dive into that real quick. I want to come back to Techstars. Let's go back to generator. How did you how did you discover? How'd you find Generator? How'd you reach out to them? Did they find you? What what did that first initial conversation look like? What resonated, didn't didn't resonate? What would you do differently? Yeah. And then how's that parlay into Techstars as well? Yeah, I don't remember how I found out about them. I think maybe my brother Devin put us on to like, you know, mentioned like, hey, like they're like super legit. Like there's a company that he was aware about at Terra Hope that had gone through um uh, gone through G Beta and I'm just like, sure, I'll go like, <laughs> I'll go meet Chelsea and, and, and 
talk with her and I was like, what's 10 more dollars for coffee on a credit card? <laughs> right. <It's already laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I was like, so I was like, just trying to like, I think one thing that I learned through G beta and just in this whole process is when I was at viral lunch, I was like, I know everybody I need to know here in Indy and, um, my network's great. And then I like started meeting a ton more people and it just led to like, Oh, I don't, I don't know enough people and like yeah. really investing in building the network. And I think that was one of the biggest things is like actually being diligent about like meeting people. Sometimes that leads you down like passages you don't need to go down in terms of yeah. like, Oh, you thought that they were going to be a customer, be an investor. And like, they never were, but you get reps at that. And also some things, you know, the one individual might not be the end thing, but they might introduce you to somebody. That's and it's right. like, you never know, you know, just by, you know, happenstance, what's going to happen from so, that. Somebody told me once early on, um, that in the early days, especially of being an entrepreneur, and I think it still applies today. And, and sometimes I, I regretfully have to say no, but like in those early days, it's like, if you ever get invited to something, whether you want to go or not, you're a little bit tired and yeah. you had a bad day. That was one of the fetal position days. Um, <laughs> You're like, I don't want to do that thing at six thirty. You know, another damn coffee. Yeah. And and then, but you like you go, you drag yourself to do it, and you just show up because you never know. Yeah. Even if that one's a dead end, they might have a. Oh, you know what? Actually, you need to meet Matt. Yeah. You know. Exactly. That's that, what, yeah. Yeah. I was just gonna say like that was like the biggest piece is like starting to build the network that I didn't have, and then early reps of like telling the story because mm -hmm. like I think that's what they really index on and something that I didn't have a ton of practice. Like again, like viral launch, we were bootstrapped. We didn't have, like we had the, you know, the privilege and the fortune of like not really having to pitch to investors, but like also in this new thing, I needed to know how to do that. I didn't yeah. we, like, we didn't have, you know, we didn't, we were bootstrapped and we didn't have a sales team. So I never had to pitch anything period. <laughs> and so two totally to different learn. ways to grow a business. right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I, I had to learn that. I remember one of those early powder keg events. I, I, you and I ended up in the same circle two or three times in one evening. Yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't early powder keg, but it was early qualified days. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember just seeing the progression of your pitch yeah. throughout the evening. Oh, that's awesome. And that's one of the things I love about events like that is like you, you get, get you can get in like oh, 20, yeah. 30 reps in one evening yeah. and you were clearly like iterating mm -hmm. and like, cause I, I think, you know, we, you were there early hanging out. And so I was there for the, the rusty one, yeah. you know, shaking off the rust you know, yeah. while you're still kind of shifting gears from being heads down to, yeah. you know, out and socializing. And I think I was there for one later in the evening where you're just like, yeah, you know, you had yeah. a, an, an audience around you. Yeah. And I think, I don't know timing wise when that was versus like when I had gone through different, cause we've gone I think through it was 2020. Yeah. So we've gone through like G beta, um, and then tech stars and like in both of those scenarios, uh, they both had their own kind of versions of, but like G beta, it's like mentor swarm tech stars calls it mentor madness. And it's basically, you're going to meet like a crap ton of people in a very compressed time period. It, it, it builds skills for like other things, but like, I know for tech stars, it was like 70 people in like yeah. two weeks that you like have to in like 15 minute meetings, catch them up on like what you do, who mm -hmm. you are, um, and then try to extract some help and like, you know, next steps with them in some sort of way. And so, yeah, you, you're able to iterate really yeah. fast. And what's, what's the elevator pitch uh, for the listeners? Was, <laughs> <laughs> you knew that was coming. Yeah, I haven't. So one, yeah, I like got out of like I'm not in fundraising right now, so I haven't like had to do it as much. <laughs> but, and I've been actually like reworking mine uh, like very recently because you know some of my uh, you know standard like email templates and things of the nature that I send out. But uh, you know the high level pitches were the phone screening solution for high volume recruiting. Uh, typically the people that work with us have significant hiring volume and hiring needs and they don't have enough bandwidth to uh, hire great people in the time period that they need to hire them. Um, a lot of their business depends on getting people hired in the door. So think hospitals, call centers, things of that nature. Um, and the phone screen is the biggest bottleneck in that process usually. And so we automate it, streamline it, um, and turn it into a competitive advantage for uh, the folks that we get to work with. So, um, I yeah, love it. Your, the <laughs> first sentence, the, the first sentence, right? Yep. I, I can visualize what you do. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's yep. great. I love it. Um, one of the things I love about a good pitch is that it, it helps not just with investors and customers, but also attracts talent. And I know that's one of the things you've really focused on as you've grown qualify. Yeah. Um, what have been some of the biggest things you've learned growing your own team as a CEO? Yeah. I think that's one of the things that if I was to toot my own horn at something, it would be partially because it's my favorite part is yeah. like 
the two things I love about being an entrepreneur is getting to put ideas into the world and then getting to collaborate with people. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned like my mindset is finding the experts and trusting them and, and, and enabling them to do their job best. And so that's kind of the approach I take when it comes to uh, building the team. And I think it's start, I mean, it's resonated with how we've grown the team so far. Um, go back to your question real quick. Like what, what's like, yeah. What, what have you learned in building that culture? Yeah. I think some of the things that we've, I think done really well at qualify is establish what we, who we are in early. So when it was just the four of us, I remember, um, one of the first meetings we had might've been the first meeting we had in person. A lot of stuff we did was like just over Google meets or sure. you know, whatnot. But one of the first meeting we had was, you know, beers and pizza and just talking about like, uh, our values and what our mission is going to be and things of that nature. And it's like, uh, you know, there's been iterations, you know, over time, but, um, I think getting alignment at the founder level of what we're going to be, why it's important to us and, uh, having that mindset, even before we were like really out of real business, it might've been like too early to do some of those things, but I think it helped establish, um, what we are today. And so far, you know, our team loves us. So we're up to around 20 people on the team we're hiring right now. And, it's weird because like maybe it's the market, but like we're getting tons of applications and um, people aren't just, it doesn't seem like, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of just like people throwing their resume, but sure. like the people that we engage with, like they actually really want to work for a qualify. And so that's like a gratifying feeling. To, like, What's the number one role you're hiring for right now? Maybe there's a listener that wants to come work for you guys. Yeah, we're hiring for two different account executives. So um, we're looking in honestly anywhere in America, but, uh, in our Northeast region and in the West region, we're looking to really start to build out our, our sales team. Um, and we're also hiring for a product marketing role too. So, all right, let's hear the, yeah, out there listeners, send us your best sales pitch, pitch qualified to us and that might get you the job. <laughs> well, we now would be a good time to join. I know you mentioned you just uh, set a new record for 10 times your historical highest deal. You just closed your yeah. biggest deal by a factor of 10. Yeah. Um, I think we're probably gonna have to have you back on the show to talk about that. Talk about this next hiring spree yeah. that you have um, because there's so much to dig into with what you're doing with Qualify. Yeah. Um, so if you're open to it, we'd love to, to have you back on. No, this has been awesome. Um, yeah, I, last year I got to do quite a bit of, we were, you know, I was a guest on quite a few podcasts and, um, some of them better than others. I think this one was like one of my favorite ones, uh, to do. So awesome, uh, man. Yeah, really I love it. it. Awesome. Yeah. We, we love talking to you. Um, but we're, we're at Nate's favorite part of uh -oh. the conversation. Come on, <laughs> Darren, we're going to work through the lightning round. Uh -oh. All right. So we have three questions for you. Very hand selected. Goes to all of our uh, all of our guests. We're going to start with outside of the amazing entrepreneurs. What is Indiana known for? Outside of Indiana, just rapid fire. Well, I mean, outside of the entrepreneurs, what's Indiana known for? Go. Ooh. Just one thing. Sports. I was going to say. Sports. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Love it. What is one hidden gem in the Hoosier State? I don't get out enough, so that's, <laughs> this is revealing. I don't know. I don't know, and I should have warned you right before. I'm a terrible quick thinker. Like, <laughs> we can circle back. Can we pass and go to the next question? Or yeah, is, is there anything in Marion? I, I've never, I've never been up there, so there might be some hidden gems I don't know about. I was there. gonna say, like, I hate to shout at. So I went to Indiana Wesleyan. Our rival school is Taylor. I'm not even a huge fan of, there's an ice cream spot called Ivanhoe's that everyone always stops at. I'm That's the first thing that came go. to mind when you're like, anything up in Marion? I was like, it's not too far as in Upland. Okay. Yeah. But I like, I don't, it's weird. I, What's the so name of it again? So Taylor's our rival school. Yeah. And it's called uh, Ivanhoe's in Ivanhoe. Upland, Indiana. All right. Sweet. It's, yeah. All my rival teams, by the way, have been purple. And I've always hated purple growing up, like literally from a child, <laughs> that's like, all amazing. the rival teams I ever like. My How did you end up with it as your brand color um, at Qualify? Yeah, like that's weird. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Every day started, he just yeah, comes into work yeah, with stuff. I started just, to like it now, but all right. um, yeah, it just kind of happened. I think it was probably not my original idea. Like it definitely wasn't my original idea. I think our the person who designed the logo in yeah, actually, yeah, and yeah, everyone seemed to like it. So that's amazing. All right, final lightning round question: Who is someone that we need to keep on our radar? Someone that is doing something big. Ooh, can do they have to be an indie? Because I, I have a, uh, so three of my tech stars network, and hopefully, 
my other Techstar CEO friends don't hate me for this, but there's a company called Pipe Dream. I think it's like the like it's a moon like one of those moonshot ideas, but actually very practical in nature. They're called Pipe Dream. They're literally literally building pipes underground to enable thirty second deliveries, like eventually anywhere in the city. Wow, that's yeah, like using robots that can navigate in these pipes and like just put yourself in a portal, shoots it over to where you need to go. You don't have to like own certain things. It's like just those like, fancy bank, like if you use the ATM at the bank. Yeah, and it's, yeah similar, so cool. but it's like robots with wheels instead of, I forget what the name of that sort of. That's the awesome. Of that. I forget there's a name for that. That's cool. Yeah. Pipe we'll we'll look it up. Maybe we can have them on the show sometime. Yeah. Once, once they hook up Indiana, yeah. the pipe dream. Yeah, I try to get them to come over here uh, with all the. Uh, well, we know some people. We, yeah. might, we might be able to hook something up, make yeah. it worth your while. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Darian, thanks so much for being on the show, man. And congrats on everything you accomplished, uh, with qualify, but also just, uh, your whole career, man, both, uh, on and off the, the court. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much. And hopefully I don't, uh, injure myself, uh, on the court. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm right up. there with you. Yeah. Thanks, Darian. Yeah. Thank you Bye-bye. so much. This has been Get In, a powder kick production in partnership with Elevate Ventures. And we want to hear from you. If you have suggestions for our guest or segment, reach out to Matt or Nate on LinkedIn or on email. To discover top-tier tech companies outside of Silicon Valley in hubs like Indiana, check out our newsletter at powderkeg.com newsletter. And to apply for membership to the Powder Keg executive community, check out powderkeg.com premium. We'll catch you next time and next week as we continue to help the world get in. Since you just listened to this podcast, you might be thinking about starting one for your company. Lucky for you, our partners over at Casted have you covered. Casted is the first and only podcast and video marketing platform made specifically for B2B brands. I love this about them. The platform makes it possible to publish, syndicate, amplify, and measure the value of your podcast and video content. In fact, we use it for our podcast here at Powder Keg. And if you're a startup, you should listen up because Casted for Startups is definitely for you. They are offering exclusive deep discounts of up to 82% off retail price for qualifying startups. Connect with Casted at casted.us slash powderkeg.